It's Maddie and Patty, coast to coast from Brooklyn. This is Pat McMenamin to San Francisco. It's Matt Younger. Say hello, Maddie. Hey, Patty. How you doing, buddy? Hey, I am pretty good. Getting you uh, fired up with that winning montage music. Uh, the winning montage music. That's literally what I searched for when I looked online for it. I was like, Major League <laughs> Montage Music, and it had that whole sequence uh, 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 ready for me. So good. Uh, welcome to the Cleveland Sports Hour with Maddie and Patty. By way of introduction, we are two long-suffering Cleveland sports fans who spend far too much time watching, reading, and thinking about the Cavs, the Browns, and the Tribe. We are self-aware but unapologetic homers, so if you like the informed, intelligent Cleveland fans' perspective on all things Cavs, Browns, and Indians, you've come to the right place. Now, in case you haven't been paying attention and judging by the attendance, mm -hmm. you haven't, the Indians have managed to win a few here and there and are threatening to climb out of the cellar. So just when we think it's time to stop paying attention, Maddie, mere weeks after we did our last pre-mortem, uh, the Tribe have roared back to life, ripping off a six-game win streak, winning 16 out of 26, climbing from last to third in the Central, and standing four games under 500, and six games six games behind the final wildcard spot with eh, 28 games to go. Uh, it's not ideal, but I believe I did say, uh, you, as long as the Indians are within five games of 500, they're worth paying attention to. Yeah, they are. That's my quote, and I stand by that. And, uh, you know, six games out of the wildcard spot's a bit much with 28 games to go. But that whole point was, if you're within five games of 500 going into the last month of the season, any shit can happen. You can go off on a crazy streak, and if you, if you make it to the playoffs, all bets are off. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll, start, this, we'll start this off tonight uh, talking with the uh, surprising tribe. Uh, we'll determine whether it's time for, Cleveland, for the Cleveland diaspora to pony up and buy the last month of MLB TV. Uh, then we're going to tackle the, our big Brown season preview and Try not to cry too much. It's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard. Um, finally, just to perk ourselves up, we'll round up the latest Cavs news, or Ooh. lack thereof. We're looking at you, TT. Uh, so, Maddie, let's let's get back to the tribe. Um, I, I'm, I'm delighted and surprised and uh, that we actually get to start the podcast off with the tribe. They're that relevant that we can it's, talk about them. It's fun. It's unfortunate when we were planning this, Pat. We thought yes. they might be a little more relevant. Mm-hmm. We got, we got ourselves super excited in the first win in the Blue Jays series, and mm. it's been uh, they've lost three or four since then. Yeah, it kind of takes the air out of our sails here. Yeah, a little uh, bit. I mean, uh, come on, Tribe. We, we got programming to do here. We can't just change it on the last minute when you guys blow it. <laughs> really jamming us up. Really this is, us up. This has yeah. been their story for the last few years, though, honestly, right, is that they are very close to – relevance or winning and there's it comes usually it's a series against the tigers where they're winning the first <laughs> game and their closer du jour blows it mm -hmm. in excruciating fashion and then they blow the whole series mm -hmm. and they're right back out of it i feel like that's happened almost every year mm -hmm. for the last few years it's a frustrating experience um this team is not bad man no, I mean that's the that's the nice thing about the 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 team that we have. Uh, you know, I, I was leaving this towards the end, but I mean, uh, uh, I mean, we have four plus starters, right? Uh, all of which have stuff to be dominant if they if it clicks, right? Uh, we certainly saw it out of um, um, uh, Salazar, although I didn't see it last night. But I mean, over the last like two months, he's been unhittable. Yeah, obviously Kluber's one of uh, Cy Young. Uh, Carrasco at times is is is, is unhittable. Bauer is, you know, he's either going to be crushed or he's going to be unhittable. So he, doesn't have his, 
He doesn't have his command under control yet. He's walking away too many people. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, there's always a chance. He's got enough stuff that if he figures it out, he'll be amazing. If not, he's a pretty decent four-starter to have. Yes. So those four-plus starters, we have a solid bullpen, not an amazing one, uh, but it's solid. Uh, we have a great, great one-two-three hitter. Uh, you know, our one-two-three hitters are really good, and they're good fielders too. They're not, they're not minuses in the field. And they're locked up through at least 2018, um, uh, most of them through 2020, including the pitchers. Yeah, uh, the only guy, only guy who's not through 2020 is uh, Brantley. Um, that's, I mean, that's a great foundation to build from. Yeah, I'm happy with it. I'm happy the they're good players uh, in the minors are going to come in and fill needs in the outfield. It looks like mm -hmm. Brad Zimmer and uh, Clint Frazier. Um, maybe as soon as second half of next year, we'll start to see those guys. Um, you know, Santana's sort of petered out as the slugging first baseman we hoped he was going to be. Yeah, he's been a disappointment, but... He's still walking a lot, which is good, but the, his power numbers just have never... Never materialized. Know. And they would, they, would make, they would make up for the strikeouts and the, the lower batting average if he could just crush a few. For sure. If he was hitting 30 homers this year instead of 14 right. or whatever he said, 15, um, yeah. that would make a big difference. That he never turned the corner is one of the things that's hurt them this year. The start, honestly, Jan Gomes getting hurt for oh. two months or whatever he was out for was pretty rough. I think that is. for us from a lineup perspective, and also I think I think it hurt the, our pitchers too. He's a, oh, he's a good defensive catcher. He's a good pitch framer. Yep, and, and, and he calls a good game too. Especially. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that didn't go our way. Honestly, starting the season with uh, Chisholm Hall and Ramirez at short and third or third and short respectively. Yeah. Uh, our defense was terrible since since uh, Lindor's come in. Our defense is, I think, it's third in the American League by a couple measures. Oh, save. Lindor! Can we stop for a second? Just talk about how awesome. Yeah, he is? let's let's uh, let's oh. get excited about Francisco Lindor. He, I mean, how you you can't watch him without getting excited. The way, I mean, the way how how excited he gets after yeah. a big play just gets me so freaking pumped up. The way he, he runs, how hard he plays. You know, routine, you know, uh, routine base hits up the up the middle are are now like I think you might get that. You know, yep. or, or those things I'm like, ooh, this is gonna be a best. He's gonna knock it down. You know, I'm just so used to the last like six years of non Viscal uh, shortstops, and uh, he just like he just his range is incredible. His ability to get up and throw people out. His arm is incredible. I mean, he's he's fantastic in the infield. And on top of that, he's actually I didn't realize well, how how good a hitter he is. Yeah, his bat has come along much faster than I thought it would. I thought it would, it would take him a little while, but he is. I mean, he, uh, 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 I mean, Francona was getting criticized for starting him off in the two hole. Mm -hmm. uh, he's being hammered. Like, I mean, look, come on, let him ease him in. Like, that's a little ridiculous. He's asking too much of him, and he's done nothing but deliver <laughs> right in the spot that we need. Now he's been um, great there. He's fantastic. And then, and then, uh, I mean, the funny thing is, he's actually hitting better in the major leagues than he was in the minor leagues this year. Yep. That's crazy. When does that happen? Yeah. Uh, it's just unbelievable. I mean, what's incredible to me is that Correa, uh, the Astros shortstop, uh, has been running away with the, uh, with, with the race as soon as he, he came in. But I'm looking at the numbers now, and it's, you know, he still has the edge, I think, on Francisco. But uh, it's pretty close. Yeah. I mean, Correa is only better in home runs, uh, 16 home runs to uh, Francisco's seven. seven. Seven in two months of play is a lot of home runs for a shortstop. Uh, in steals, he's got 11 and 14 versus Lindor's six out of eight uh, attempts. Uh, although I think that's a lot. A lot of that has to do with uh, uh, Francona is pretty conservative with the base stealing, which is uh, a minor quibble I have with him. Um, 
but uh, Lindor has the batting batter average, uh, batting average, except uh, on base percentage is actually equal, so it kind of equals out. Um, I mean, this is this is incredible. I'm pulling up their WAR real quick because I I feel like uh, yes, please give me some some advanced sabermetrics that I don't understand. I feel like um, Lindor was closing on him. Yeah, Lindor's at two point nine right now, which is mm-hmm. really good. Oh, I like hearing that your keyboards uh, hit. And Correa's at uh, 3.2. So Lindor's conceivably could catch him. If he has a huge end of the season. Yeah, and and Correa slows up a little bit or or whatever. Because the home run numbers are are skewed a little bit by Correa playing in in Houston, which is... Yeah, home run they park. I mean, Houston now has 10 players with 10 or more home runs on their roster right now. So part of that is how they constructed their roster, but part of it is just that that whatever they call... uh, that stadium now. I don't think it's Minute Maid. I definitely don't think it's Enron Field. <laughs> but whatever the heck Houston Stadium is, is a bit of a bandbox. Yeah. Uh, so, no, Lindor is awesome, man. That's uh, People should be super, super excited. So excited. About well, the nice thing is that you can watch. I mean, it's exciting to watch the games now because you have an electrifying player like that. Even if, like, we, we even when we're out of the season. So, even, even if we don't like rip off a six-game win streak uh, uh, starting tonight, which we kind of need them to do to get us back into this. Yeah. Uh, it's still worth watching the rest of the season because Lindor might do something crazy and incredible. I mean, there's this one slide he had that's like straight out of Major League. Yes. <laughs> where he's just legging out a, a, a single, turning it into a double. The ball comes in. He's, he's dead meat. The ball is there. He's, start, he's starting his slide. The guy puts the slide down. He just and He has both his hands out. He just pulls his right hand back. Left hand around, touches the base, safe, and then he jumps up and just like he's so pumped up with getting that slide. That that was, I mean, that's like that's uh, that's Wesley Snipes. Yeah, <laughs> Willie Mays Hayes. Willie Mays Hayes. <laughs> I, uh, I I feel bad because I think I've said this. I said it before the season. I was, I was really hot on the tribe, and they have they have yep. uh, disappointed a bit from that. And I I feel like I'm a, a tribe optimist. Well, this is a fun team, man. It's worth watching just to get excited for next year. I feel absolutely like, last month. Absolutely. And uh, like I said, hey, it's not over yet. We'll see. I mean, look, the, the odds are very long against us pulling off something special. But I'm telling you, I'm going to call it right now. This is uh, – uh, Patty is endorsing a – I'm putting a buy. Is that what Jim Cramer does on uh, those those uh, market shows? Yes. The buy. I'm saying I'm, I'm rating MLB.tv on the monthly rate for the last month of the season. I'm rating it a buy right now. Go see it. Mm. Go, mm. Go watch some games. Get the, get the tribe up. Give them some uh, some good mojo here for the last uh, month of the season. You know, we kind of did it before with that crazy run. Uh, two what two years ago? Was it three years ago? When they made the playoffs and they won yeah. the last ten games of the year to get yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was uh, we had a really easy schedule uh, and we were not uh, uh, behind the standings as much. But like crazy things have happened. Yeah. Um. Uh, but Matt, b- before we move on, let's be clear. Don't do not blame yourself for the tribe disappointing. You know exactly who we have to blame. That's true. There's a couple prime suspects, aren't there? Starting with Sports Illustrated. Yeah, that was uh, trouble as soon as it happened. I was so pissed. Everyone's like, "Well, you know, it's the it's the regional edition." And I think I believe I said at the time, you know, because there was four different covers, right? There was regional covers, so it wasn't just mm-hmm. the Indians on every cover. I was like, "Well, you know what? This is going to do. This is going to mean that we do not make the playoffs, but it doesn't mean we're going to be the last in the in American League. The last time they did this to us, right? Right? We're not going to bomb that terribly. We're going to have a decent season, where we're not going to make the playoffs because uh, one fourth of the Sports Illustrated curse is still enough to keep us out of the playoffs." <laughs> That's enough spank. Um, second, we blame our, our friend Scooter, uh, as we blame him in all things Cleveland sports. A lot of things right now. Uh, he's really, he's really just, done some bad stuff. God, he's blowing it. He's just mm-hmm. blowing it. Thank God for his daughter and his wife, because otherwise... I think we'd have written him off. Uh, yeah, there's not much good going on, you know? No. 
so anyway, uh, yeah, Scott Scooter uh, basically said that there's no such thing as the Sports Illustrated curse, which just, it, frankly, turned them from a one-fourth curse to, to a two-fourths curse. Uh, oh, otherwise, wow. half curse, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I can do the math. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> I was just going with the numerical ad. Just, just, it, it, felt, it felt more poetic. It felt right to go from 1-4 to 2-4, okay? Anyway, sure. uh, uh, no, uh, he, he just endorsed the curse by saying there's no such thing as curses. And then, of course, thanks. Thanks, Scott. Mm-hmm. Way to make sure that Oh, uh, lastly, are there any good names for Francisco Lindor? I, I've been, I've been, I don't know if I've – my, my, my tribe Twitter is not as developed as my Cavs Twitter, so I haven't seen any good uh, nicknames going yet. Have you heard any good ones? I mean, I'm, the Cisco kid is kind of, like, pretty pretty lame. Yeah, I don't like that one. I have not heard anything great so far, and I don't have any great suggestions at this moment. No. It seems, I, I feel like I want to play off his last name more than his first name. But I, I agree. I agree, because Francisco is a, is a much more common name. Lindor, I, I haven't heard anywhere else. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so well, I, or I'll just call him Lindor. He's, like, he's just so good that I just don't mind calling him by his name. It sounds so much like indoor that I, tr- I was trying to play around <laughs> with that for a little while, and just nothing. Nothing, nothing's happened. I can't no. keep it brewing. If uh, if. If the Indians give us a, a reason to keep talking about them uh, in our next podcast, uh, well, let, let's see if we can something a little better. Yes. Uh, well, actually, before we move on, we, we have one. Oh, yeah. One let's, let's, uh, you had this great theory um, on uh, Lonnie Chisenhall as Alex Gordon. Yeah, I was texting yeah. you about that, right? It was... Yeah, yeah, you were. This, 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 it still seems like a stretch to me, but, uh, you know, you, you got you to walk me through the stats because I, I am not as, uh, you know, as, as I said, the Baseball is my third sport that I'm into, uh, and I follow it the least of all of, of the three. Uh, so I don't look at the, the stats as much. T- t- tell me, like, what's what's the comparison? Where where where's your where, where are you getting this from? Where are you coming so, from? So I'll give you the broad, the broad. It's it's a very broad strokes comparison. But Alex Gordon was a highly touted third base prospect. He was for the Royals. He was going to be the next George Brett. He was a local guy. <laughs> I think he went to Nebraska for college. They got him. He was going to be their next big thing. Came up and just flamed out at third base. Mm. Couldn't stick in the majors. Went back to the minors, retooled himself as an outfielder, came back up um, as a extremely good defensive left fielder whose bat was decent, not what you'd consider like our when the PED era left fielder of a slugger who's got to hit between 35 and 40 home runs to be out there. More of a money ball um, left fielder kind of thing? A little more of a money ball left fielder, but a solid hitter still, lots of doubles, um, decent on base, etc. Um, and was – uh, one of he was a little bit he was banged up this year he missed a bunch of time but for the last few years before that one of the top players in the league uh-huh. easily when you in, inclusive of everything right. especially his fielding which is really good so Chisholm not as highly touted a prospect but he was a first round pick for, of ours certainly um, flamed out at third base given multiple opportunities went back retooled himself as an outfielder came back had an outstanding hitting month in August and was named by the Sweet Spot blog on ESPN. They're sort of just their their generic uh, sort of all things baseball blog uh, as the defensive player of the month in August for all of Major League Baseball. Damn. Which is pretty crazy. Um, and the the defensive numbers they said I think it was eight runs saved, which is a big a big number for a month. Um, Seems like he's gotten – I mean, I think when he was sent down and Ursula was called up, it was sort of like, all right, this might be it for Chisholm Hall. I don't know that he has a future with this team. Mm-hmm. Certainly feels like he does right now. Now, the, the comparison breakdown, I think, comes uh, – our good friend and uh, Scott Fuller favorite, Terry Pluto, wrote about this yesterday. Huh. Um, they're really platooning him. They're playing him against righties. Right. And that's why um, which is fine. So it feels a little like less like an everyday player. I don't think he's going to be as good as Alex Gordon is. That would be asking a lot, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but as a solid a solid platoon guy, late inning defensive replacement even, which is crazy to think about, um, I, I think he's there. That feels like a solid piece, and Francona has demonstrated that he can handle a platoon out there pretty well. So him combined with, I don't know, Rayburn, um, Jerry Sands, I don't think is a real part of our future, but w whatever they pick up off the scrap heap this summer or guys that are coming up from the minors, I think all of a sudden it feels like Chisholm Hall has a real part to play on this team. And nice to have some good de defenses in this environment where runs are even more difficult to come by. Somehow defenses become even more important. Um, and so between Lindor, Gomes, and uh, a little Chisholm Hall there, I feel like we've got something good going. Our shell is good at third. Brantley's a decent left fielder, depending on what numbers you look at. I'm so, sorry. Anyway, it's a I'm little sorry. bright spot. Justin Hall's Alex spot. Gordon. Justin Hall's Alex Gordon. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, no need to look any further. <laughs> Investigate more deeply. Uh, although I was thinking, like, you know, uh, I like the idea of just, just having a hand against right-handed hitters – or right-handed pitchers, excuse me, uh, and, and platooning with somebody else. That might, that's a pretty cheap way to get the quality at bats. Uh, yeah. and, and who knows? Maybe eventually he figures out left-handed pitching. Uh, you know. Uh, I feel like we used to do that with Jim Tomey in his first couple of years in the league. Um, uh, we'd try and sit him when it was a big left-handed pitcher. When yeah. the left-handed starter, we would sit him for the first couple of years, and then eventually he kind of figured out left-handed pitching. Uh, I mean, never as good, never as well as he uh, figured out right-handed pitching, but uh, right. But he was playable. Uh, yeah, exactly. So um, uh, another another nice little piece of hope at the end of the season. Yeah. Well, we can do. You know, we can. We, I, the tribe may have earned a big postmortem uh, discussion uh, if uh, when the season's all said and done. So we'll, we'll we may revisit this and talk about what options they have in the off season. Yes. Uh, what, what 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 prospects to uh, to keep an eye on and all that stuff. It's nice that we're keeping an eye on them and that yes. there's something fun to keep an eye on that. Yes. Yes. Uh, all right, so let's move on. Before we move on to the, the, our big Cleveland Browns season preview, uh, let's. There's a couple of big items uh, in uh, NFL news that I feel like we should address. Uh, we addressed it last time we talked. Uh, Deflategate uh, has taken a, a an annoying turn, uh, except for my my fantasy football squad, since I made a made a made a, made a, made a nice trade uh, uh, right the day before this news broke. Thieving uh, uh, Skyler. Well, yeah, we'll talk about that in another podcast. But uh, uh, I, I was very happy, yes, that uh, that uh, this is salvaged what's left of my fantasy squad. Is this going to hold up, Pat? We're talking about Tom Brady being – the suspension being overturned. He can play I think it beginning. is. I think it will, will hold up. Uh, yes, yes, thank you. I, I was, <laughs> it was a long preamble to, to announce the, uh, what happened. But everyone, I think everyone knows by now that Tom Brady's uh, uh, suspension has been overturned by court. The NFL is appealing. Uh, but, you know, the more I read on law blogs and, you know, my dad's ranting uh, – my dad's a lawyer <laughs> – uh, it tells me that they, they aren't going to win any appeal, uh, uh, the NFL, that he's, he's, he's going he's gonna to start. Uh, and not going to have any kind of suspension. And what annoys me about this is that the entire world knows well enough the preponderance of evidence. Like I, I know it's not a legal standard, but we all know Tom Brady is fucking guilty. He is so incredibly guilty. Uh, uh, but I understand that there's not enough, like you know, th that would actually hold up in a court of law. There's enough reasonable doubt that you can't actually suspend him and, and dock him pay. Uh, I don't really know how that is. I don't care enough to read the legal documents to, to know why. Uh, we should, that's, this is something we should be asking uh, uh, Ned Sackman. Uh, Do you think that punishment fits the crime? If I grant you that he is guilty, is it four games worth taking a little air out of balls? I feel like it. 
Uh, only because it is cheating, and there should be some punishment for cheating. Uh, it, you know, not like you know, suspended for an entire year. It's not, it's not like smoking pot, bad Matt. No. Uh, you know that no. that you that's should, a crime against humanity. Crime against humanity. That if you keep doing it, you should be banned from the league for life. Uh, for sure. So just to be clear on that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, uh, uh, I feel like four games is a reasonable suspension for cheating. Uh, whether I think the inflated, deinflated balls really had an impact in the game. I kind of buy the argument that it actually uh, had a bigger impact on uh, fumbles. Uh, even though there's some, there's some you know, uh, arguments that those numbers are not really that strong. Yeah. But even if you, you know, try to get as generous as you can towards those numbers, the Patriots are still amongst the lowest fumble rates in the league since 2007. It's a pretty incredible streak. Uh, yes, that could be the way they run, the way that – but, they, you know, I, I, fumbles to me are, are, are also a bit of a freak occurrence there as well. Uh, and if you had a deflated ball, that would really make it easier to not fumble, uh, especially if your balls were the only ones that weren't, that weren't fully inflated. Uh, right. So, I, so I, I buy a little bit into it that it's worth a four-game suspension, uh, not a full season. That would be ridiculous. Um, but I also agree with the spending him for a couple of games for trying to, like, just fuck with the league and destroy my phone and hide evidence and <laughs> make up horrible excuses like, oh, no, uh, deflating, they were talking about losing weight and – I always destroy my cell phone. It's like, oh, fuck you, an extra game just for that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm annoyed at the NFL for being so incompetent that they've blown this. And now uh, he's going to be playing the whole year. This is embarrassing as hell for Goodell, oh. though, isn't it right? I mean, I mean, what, what hasn't been embarrassing for him? I don't think so. I, 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 this is one place where I think the sports guy uh, is right about this. It doesn't matter what he does. He's, he's fine. It was incredibly embarrassing with Ray Rice. It was incredibly embarrassing with... Uh, yes. AP, it's incredibly embarrassing. All these things, and he somehow walks away scot free. He's like, uh, I don't know, what's the, what's a good a, a good comparison? I, I, being there comes to mind. Uh, that Peter oh. comedy. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Which, that's a good one. Which might be over some people's heads. Uh, uh, it's a classic uh, 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 film of a guy who's actually um, not quite what he's he's uh, low IQ, right? Uh, yeah. He's, he's, yeah. You know, and he just, you know, or or a, a Forrest Gump. It's, it's, Forrest, Forrest, it's a little yeah. Forrest Gump. Forrest yeah. Gump would, would be would be the uh, modern uh, equivalent of that story of somebody who just be happens to be in the right place at the right time, uh, except that no one really realizes that Peter Sellers is not that intelligent. He eventually becomes uh, like the leader of the free world, I think, or something like that. Anyway, that is Roger Goodell right there. He's just being there. He's that character, and I think he's going to keep moving on scot free because the money keeps rolling in. Uh, did you see that? Uh, Who's the guy who actually did something horrible? Greg Hardy. Who's like the highlight was like Hardy eyes uh, Brady ruling. Oof, yeesh. I yeah. mean, that's a guy who really. Should, I mean, he's a criminal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. No, he should. He's no. That, that kind of stuff deserves you know much bigger suspensions. Uh, uh, I. I you know, the Ray Rice deserved to be suspended for the entire year from the get-go, and that's what was so horribly embarrassing. And what's, what, hey, what, also, what also bothers me is that Roger Goodell is such an asshole, is such an idiot, that it distracts from how horrible uh, Robert Kraft is uh, <laughs> as an owner. He is a great a motherfucker. Uh, and so it's oh, not so this, is, this, is, this is painting the Patriots as the, as the good guys. In yeah, the green which party. Is- no, fuck that. The Patriots are one of the worst motherfucking organizations in the fucking league. They're horrible people. Second only to the Ravens organization, uh, who again, who again got uh, got they they kind of Roger Goodell def- deflected from a lot of the bad press that they deserved for how they handled the Ray Rice situation. Oh yeah, they knew everything from the get go. Yeah, 
and they intentionally tweeted out, "Hey, Janae Rice, can you just you know t talk about your role in this horrible incident? Like how 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 you, the role you played in getting punched in the mother in the face uh, by your husband? Like the role you played in in, in, in deserving blame for this." They tweeted that shit out and took and they didn't take it down until the video came out uh, yeah. of him punching her in the face. It just just awful, awful organization. Nothing happened to them. Nothing. Uh, I, th I can't remember what happened actually with Ray Rice's uh, uh, lawsuit against them. I don't think anything's come come of it yet. Um, That's pretty egregious. Maybe it's still going on. I mean, th those are horrible organizations, and, and it makes me hate Roger Goodell more for just distracting from the attention that they deserve. And not just distracting, making them look like the good guys. Ooh. Well, Patriots, yes, good guys. The the, the Ravens, the, they don't look like good guys in this, but they just don't. People just don't think about them. They just think about how horrible Goodell is. Yeah, it's it's awful. Um, another uh, a topic uh, before we move on to the Browns uh, is the, the what's happened to RG three. He's on the verge of being cut. Uh, uh, I mean, he will be traded except for his huge contract. Most teams don't want to trade assets for a sixteen million cap hold, or they don't have the cap space to take him. Pat, do you wish we dealt all those draft picks for him? I was going to say one thing. I will say one little piece of uh, optimism going into our Browns preview. Uh, I, we coined uh, internally amongst our group of friends the uh, Sackman principle uh, from our first fan, Ned Sackman, uh, and, and only guest so far, live guest so far. Um, uh, the Sackman principle was coined by Ned in assessing uh, back when, when we missed out on this deal, when the Redskins outbid us for uh, the second pick in the draft and being able to get RG3. Uh, he, he said, look, if he played for the Browns, he would be horrible. And basically, he described essentially – this career arc for RG3. Yeah. Right? Uh, he, you know, if he'd gone to the Browns. But now that he's going to the Redskins, he's going to be great and have an amazing career. And the first year, that that seemed to bear out. And actually, now it hasn't worked out that way. Yeah. So something's telling me something in the universe is, is, is changing, tipping. Like, that, that. the second principle has been proven wrong for RG3. I mean, partially wrong. The first season was pretty great for him. But uh, – I'm starting to think uh, something positive is coming up with RG3 now that now that for the Browns. <laughs> it's a horrible thing to say. RG3's career bottomed out so that luck could change for the Browns. That's basically what I'm trying to argue here. Perhaps the, the Redskins are slowly sucking some of our stink over their way. Yeah, maybe. You know, they have an owner that that's ready to take the mantle from Art Modell. Oh, for sure. Uh, being the, the most monstrous, horrible, indefensibly bad uh, owner uh, in, in NFL history. By the way, one person who likes to defend Art Modell all the time. You know who that is, right? Aside from, aside from Brent Fuller. Uh, the other uh, guy, Sc Scooter. Scooter likes, Scooter likes to do so to draw a parallel to how horrible LeBron James is. He does this all the time. Uh, and it's just indefensible and embarrassing uh, on his part. I don't know what's wrong with him. I don't know. But I'm going to keep uh, – I'm, I'm probably going to keep uh, ripping on him at some point every podcast until he, um, until, until he renounces uh, his anti-Cavs fandom. Yes. That's a good principle. But, uh, Matt, before we move on to the Big Browns preview, should, should we make a, lay a claim to RG3 if he gets cut? Your brother no. certainly thinks so. My brother wants us to make a claim on Ray Rice, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Let's not have that be the standard by which we yes, judge, judge move. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. We kind of no, I don't think – What a, we don't need this, that nonsense. Like, what? first of all, what are we going to do for him? It's not like we're, we're in a position where we can revitalize – players' careers, right? Mm -hmm. That's not our reputation. Mm -hmm. um, it wouldn't be good for him. It wouldn't be good for us. Nope. And we'd be basically... We'd distract from a situation that's already messy. 
Yeah, and if we're still trying to get what we can out of uh, uh, the Manziel draft pick in the hopes that you – know, ha- he had a pretty decent preseason. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, uh, you right. know, we're still trying to develop him. That, that blows that out of the water. Uh, which, you know, yeah. look, if RG3 is great, who gives a shit about Manziel? Uh, but, uh, but I don't see any reason to think that he is going to be good. I think, like, when he had that knee injury, it, it took away – the, the the main threat that made him his his otherwise ordinary um, skills as a passer extraordinary. Yeah. He becomes just an ordinary guy. No, I think. Uh, it, listen, in an ideal world, it's probably uh, Chip Kelly gets his hands on him and sees what he can do. Yeah, or what Seattle's trying to to do something with him. Yeah, he, like a, he needs a solid organization that has a plan that doesn't like he wouldn't be the focal point. All that stuff. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. All right, for his good and everybody's good. I hope something like that happens. The, the Browns is not the place for that to occur. <laughs> the Browns is where careers go to die, not, yeah. not to be revived. So I don't know why he would he would uh, be excited by that. No. Um. Anyway, and also, uh, uh, anyway. So let, let's move on to our big. Maybe if uh, if Shanahan was still here. Yeah. No. Well, at the same time, though, Shanahan and RG three kind of hate each other by the end of it too. I guess that's true. Uh, they, You're they, right. They burned out uh, on each other as well. And that's the other thing is that uh, you forget that RG3 has also been shooting himself in the foot where he blamed his teammates for how bad he was playing last year yeah. publicly. I mean, he's kind of toxic now uh, after being like this amazing mm-hmm. force. Uh, it's a great, actually, fantastic article to read. Um, Monday morning quarterback Peter King has a piece on what happened to RG3. It's a great piece worth reading. Um, just so you forget how, um, I mean, he was hugely, I mean, he was like the next big phenom. He was, he was, he was changing the league. Uh, you know, the, the best players in the world came to watch him play and, and see him. It was a, it was a madhouse that first year in, in Washington. Uh, and to see how far he's fallen is just it's it's tragic. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Maddie, let's move on to our big Cleveland Browns preview uh, and start by saying let's start with the final roster pick, which we just came through. We just had a, uh, the final roster has been set. Although, obviously, there's going to be a lot of changes with who we pick up in waivers, just like last year. Um. There's but some weird what, stuff going but, on. But the transition I want to make here is that we only um, have two quarterbacks in the roster. Uh, the uh, um, uh, I think it was, was it ESPN? No, it was Grantland's pick for the worst free agent offseason uh, signing, uh, our, our starting quarterback, uh, Josh McCown. Oh, yes. Uh, and probably the worst uh, first-round draft pick in recent memory, uh, uh, Johnny Manziel. Uh, those are our two quarterbacks in the roster. Could they be leaving a third space for RG3 if he, uh, if he gets cut? No, I do think they're leaving space for other people getting cut. Like Matt Castle was cut by the Bills. I mean, not the oh, bad. I didn't see that. Oh, my God. Yeah, he got cut by the Bills after they traded for him in March. Um, That's shocking. I mean, I hope they don't do that. I don't know if they just think that Manziel's going to be fine for the regular season. They feel okay if they like Pryor, who made the team, is – as an emergency quarterback, and I, I mean, I think that's what they're thinking. They must be thinking, look, if we lose both these quarterbacks to injury, we're fucked anyways. Let's just, uh, uh, you know, play uh, a crazy college football with Trail Pryor, uh, and that way, and smart, it's smart because if you get to the third quarterback level, you're fucked anyways. And if you might have time to sign someone, anyone, if you want to have another pocket passer, if there's an injury, and this allows you to carry an extra positional guy. So I don't think it's that crazy to go into the season with just two quarterbacks. I mean, also no, because I, I don't either, and I, I don't think that look. I don't think the goal of the season should be making the playoffs, and, and I'm just gonna say it right now. Uh, and look, no, I, it, it shouldn't be. I, I think we should be be realistic here. Um, 
Uh, look, people can say like, "What the fuck? What, what, why would you do that?" It's like because we don't have a quarterback. I mean, look, if one of these guys comes through, uh, meaning if, not really if Manziel, if Manziel comes through and and demands playing time, great. But we're we're not there yet. Um, I mean, I think we. Could, I want to look. I'm looking forward to just a competitive season where we don't flame out and that we're in it and we make some noise and have some big wins. Uh, but that's 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 actually one hoping for a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's the expectations where they need to be very low. That's so asking for a lot. And two, that's not uh, uh, that's not a terrible season for what we've been used to. Um, it I mean, is disappointing though, Pat. Thinking back to us being seven and four and really thinking about the playoffs last year, that this is what we're talking about now for this season. Yeah, that but, is that is depressing. Well, let me give you an optimistic and a pessimistic spin on what you just said, and, and the seven and four start from last season. The pessimistic spin on the seven and four start last season was we had the easiest schedule in football. The AFC North had a really easy uh, strength of schedule last year, uh, and we got we, sure. we went to seven and four largely on the strength of that. But we did have some big wins against Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, two playoff teams, uh, and we we, we we embarrassed Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Embarrassed them. We embarrassed the uh, the Bengals. We beat them pretty good. Yeah, and that was actually, and we embarrassed the Bengals without uh, Alex Mack. Um, but uh, uh, the point being, I think, uh, and that's where I get my optimistic spin. My pessimistic, pessimistic spin is that we have a much harder schedule this year. Uh, strength, the strength of schedule this year is much harder for us and the AFC North. However, we can hang with the AFC North. We showed last year with pretty much the same roster. We we talked about this last uh, time uh, about the Browns. We tried to talk ourselves into them. Uh, uh, we can beat the teams in the AFC North. If we find a way to win four out of those six games, that gets us in a pretty good position for the division uh, championship. Like our yeah. way, to, our path to the playoffs is not the wild card. Our path to the playoffs is the division championship. I agree with you there. Uh, and that's why I think it's a really long shot for us to have a, a chance to playoffs. But you never know. I mean, uh, the AFC North teams are strong, but they're never, they're, I don't think any of them are that strong. Uh, I agree with you there. I mean, the Steelers are kind of a paper tiger in the sense that they uh, have a lot of great fantasy players, right? Uh, but their defense is not that dominant. They don't, you know, Troy Polamalu is gone, um, and they haven't really re-upped their defense to the point where it's the force it used to be reckoned with. Likewise, the Ravens are vulnerable on defense. The Bengals are pretty good on defense, but they aren't. Again, these aren't world beaters on defense, and none of them have a world-beating offense. I mean, look, neither do we. But that's the point: is that these guys are all beatable and. You know, I, know, I think some people think the Steelers' offense might be extraordinary this year. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I'm I, I'm not that impressed by their offensive line, uh, even though they have great running numbers. Um, you know, like best best wide receiver and best running back in the league doesn't do anything for you. Those are pretty good, but you know, um, uh, Antonio Brown also destroys Joe Hayden, so that always worries me. Um, he's he's Joe Hayden's kryptonite. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, they don't, they don't, it, Big Ben still gets sacked a lot. Uh, and the reason why I think they have a vertical passing game is just on strength of his ability to stand up. <laughs> I mean, like, they don't give him a lot of time in the pocket. He's just able to make more time by being hard to drag down. Uh, and, and he's very fast and can, can extend plays with his legs. So, you know, there is, there is still that. But, I, you know, like, yeah, yeah their, their offense, I think, is probably the best in, in the NFC, AFC North. But I still don't think it's, it's, it's world being. They're going to have huge games. But they're going to also have some human games. Uh, I mean, look, our defense just dis- dis- destroyed them last year. Yeah, shut them down. They had uh, they, didn't they have Le'Veon Bell then, or was he? Mm-hmm. I think it was he injured. He was there. Tony Brown was, was there. there. Tony Brown was there. Ben, Big Ben was there. Everyone was there. We just destroyed them. So uh, I think I think they are beatable. Is what I'm trying to say. So um, 
So yeah, that. So any other observations for the final roster? I'm going out of order in our in our pre pre game plan here, starting with the final roster, and then we can get to some some of the some of the more um, surprising cuts uh, throughout training camp. So I think but, there were two. There's two interesting things. One is that they only kept six offensive linemen. Yeah. Although that's supposed to change. The tweets I was seeing was that um, uh, McDonald I think got cut, and that they. Mm. And that they uh, they think they're going to sign him right away back onto the practice squad, but you still you can't go into the season with six offensive linemen. That's absurd. No, absolutely and they, not. And they kept four tight ends, mm -hmm. uh, which is I also again doesn't really seem viable to me. So something's going to change there. That's um, weird. But what do you think we're going to do with the tight ends? I mean, why would we keep them? I, it didn't it didn't really make sense to me. I, they're not really they're not really tradable. There's no. I would not. I would not think they're tradable. I I, I don't get it honestly. Uh, maybe there's something as a wrinkle in our offensive sets that we're going to use a lot of t two tight end sets using tight ends as the fullbacks, I guess. I mean, we have, I mean, are, are we counting one of the fullbacks as a tight end? No, no, that's separate. And they kept Johnson. Yeah. Johnson, who, who is a, who is a, by the way, a very unusual fullback in the fact that he can run downfield and catch passes. Yeah. Um, so I, I sort of feel like we have uh, five tight ends. If you it's a little bit like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, weird. That's my guess, is that we're going to do a lot of mixing and matching. You don't know if we're going to have two tight ends or a fullback in, in each set. Like, we can pull a tight end and have them be a fullback at any moment. Uh, that sounds about right, especially if we want to run the ball as much as we do, um, to have a bunch of tight ends just to extend the offensive line. I mean, that's, that, that could be an explanation, but it still seems, still seems very weird. It's, I mean, it feels like something else is going to happen here. Yeah, exactly. And that could just be scraping off other teams' uh, cut lists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're keeping their eye on, on people that they like. Um, and honestly, I just I don't know enough about the NFL to speak credibly about folks that are getting cut from. Yeah, I never know. Other teams that we might like beyond the big names who probably are cut for a reason and don't belong in the NFL anymore. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know enough about the young up and comers to say who we might go after. But it seems like we're doing – we have to be doing something. We cannot go in with six offensive linemen. No, it seems, it seems like we're going to sign a few. that we, we, have, we have our eyes on a few guys that we think are good that we can probably get uh, uh, through waivers. So I feel like like we did last year. I forget who we got off waivers last year. Um, but, um, yeah, the, the, the McDonald cut. McDonald was the guy from uh, Seattle, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's a, that was a huge disappointment. Um, I think they like that. So I think he's – that's the one I think they're, they're planning to get him back. I guess, but it'll be practice squad, so that's you know. Yeah. We're certainly risking letting him go, so that means we we can live with it if somebody else claims him. Are you a little concerned that uh, it doesn't seem like Irving has uh, won a starting spot? Yeah, out? yeah, I am. Uh, it, it, that's that's what they've said, right? He's not going to start. Yeah, I don't think so. I think Greco's starting at uh, at right guard. That does concern me. It, it seems. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm guessing this, this team is no nonsense. They're not going to do it uh, uh, unless it's. It doesn't sound like Irving has played poorly. It's that Greco has played so well. They want him to focus on that. They want Irving to be able to plug in anywhere someone gets hurt. Right. Um, and then and then have him, you know, it's just for his rookie year to be the the the, uh, the plus plug-in. So I get that's good. And we certainly had a really great offensive line last year with Greco. Uh, it's, it went to shit when we lost um, uh, Mac. So this is sort of a great thing that we have. Any injury on that line, we can plug in um, – we can plug in uh, Irving. Irving, thank you. Sorry, uh, we can plug in Irving, and uh, I basically not miss a beat. Maybe a little beat while the, while the rhythm's off, but like within a game or two, they should be. You know, we have a guy with really plus talent at every position on the line. That's a pretty great thing to have. So it kind of makes sense. Whereas if we plugged in Irving to you know guard, 
and then someone else gets hurt, and then Greco moves into his old spot. Then we have to move two people on the line. So I, I get that. If they're, if they're kind of equal, this makes sense to me. I, if I'm talking myself into it, I'm not that concerned, and he's more of an insurance against Mac leaving uh, next year. Um, so that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm into that. I, I can talk myself into that. You, how do you feel? Yeah, I, I guess I feel the same way. I mean, it's still a little disappointing. I, I, this is probably a good transition to the Phil Taylor talk, right? It's a little disappointing yes. to have first-round picks that aren't coming in and starting right away. At these, yeah. it's, not, it's not a quarterback. Um, yeah. Like that, that hurts in our record that someone maybe we just, let's, let's start talking about Phil Taylor. Yeah, let's start off right away. I mean, Phil Taylor before this cut, I mean, he was cut like unceremoniously like last week. Yeah. Well, I think that was actually a, a let's cut him and see if, give him time to catch on with another team. I think mm. my sense is that was a, a respectful early cut. Well, f- fair enough. Yes. Yes. Uh, it wasn't like the point was we knew, we knew before the last game he was, we we're getting rid of him. Like that's what I meant. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't wait uh, to see if he could turn around. We didn't wait to see. We really, we'd seen enough, and you know it's time to c- cut ties before his contract was done. I mean, yeah, he's not. He hasn't been in the league, league four years. This is his fourth year, right? So it's going to be his fourth year, right? No, yeah. I think this is his fifth, right? Did we re-sign him? I forget. He was picked in eleven. Yeah, you're right. This would have been 11, 12, 12, 13, 14. Yeah, this would have been his fifth. So, uh, I mean, to me, the first thing about Taylor that says is this is a big admission time for me. Um, yeah. Good. Let's do I, it, Patrick. I, I have been a big defender, as uh, my friends know. I've been a big defender of Heckert over the years. Um, but I think it's time for me to admit that there's a reason that Tom Heckert still does not have a GM job. And it's not because of his drinking. Uh, I, think he actually, I think he actually might suck. <laughs> he, he might actually – I mean – Look, suck. I mean, he's probably good. I mean, he's clearly got some talent and personnel, but not enough to be the GM. Um, I, I, I was thrilled when his first three, four drafts came through because I saw those players play, and I said, these are average football players or decent football players. And he mm-hmm. also got some good guys in the second and third round. But he had a bunch of bombs. Uh, I think Hayden's the only first-round pick that's panned out for Heckert. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, we cast off a lot of his, his first round duds as being uh, uh, Holmgren driven. But, you know, he, I can't imagine he wasn't on board with Trent Richardson, who stinks. Uh, um, the other Red Rocket, who I've already forgotten his name. What the hell is his name? Brandon uh, Whedon. Brandon Whedon, uh, who, has, as we discovered last uh, time we talked, uh, uh, has said, yeah. God forbid I should have to play. That's, you know. So one guy's out of football, Trent, Trent Richardson, or about to be. Uh, Trent, <laughs> Brandon Whedon says, God forbid I should have to play. Uh, Phil Taylor, his other big draft pick that he, uh, he traded up to get after trading back, very similar to our uh, trade up to get uh, Manziel. Um, he's, he's not any t- – did anyone pick him up yet? I don't think so, have they? No, I, I think he might be done. I, everything <laughs> I read was, was just that done. he was not moving well. It's sort of sad. I mean, it is it's sad. sad. It is sad. And, and this is your point, too. You mentioned to me on the phone uh, before we talked about this now. Uh, it may not be so much that he's a bad football player, but just the injuries have caught up to him. Um, and he, you know, there wasn't any reason necessarily to think that he'd be that injury prone at the time. Right. Um, but the problem is, even when he was healthy, he didn't make a huge impact. Uh, watching Danny Shelton play in the, in the preseason, I never saw Phil Taylor do that shit. Right. Uh, Danny Shelton's crazy. And that, that's that, and the transition here to, to positive stuff about how, how good Danny Shelton looks and how he seems like the real deal and is going to be a guy that is going to be a good draft pick for us for years to come. I don't want to jinx us again with the injuries, but uh, – and, and maybe I just did. Hold on. I'm going to go walk over to a tree here and just knock on it real quick. Hold on. Okay. 
Okay, we're good. Um, but uh, I never saw Phil Taylor do that shit. Uh, once or twice I see him break through the line, but that was usually by design, and then he just got to the quarterback too fast. Yeah. But I just didn't see that many moments like that. Um, so, Patty, let's look Let's look at our, our draft first on draft picks since we've been back. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. You, you, have, tell, you have it in front of you? I'm looking at it right now. Good. I think I pick – if we give us – let's say Shelton's going to be good. And that's that's really early and optimistic, obviously, right? Yeah, and we can leave out this year too. It's too. It's almost too early to know. So let's not count this year. Yeah. Seventy eighteen. So there's eight. We've had eighteen first round draft picks since nineteen ninety nine. So a couple of years where we had. Oh, you're going way back. Oh man. This is since since the new Browns. I count. God, if you give me Jeff Fain and Cameron Wimbley as viable NFL players, I viable, not all stars. Four good players. Jesus. Tim oh, Couch, no. No. Courtney Brown, no. No. Big Money Warren, no. No. William Green, no. No. Jeff Fain, maybe. Maybe. Hold that. Yeah. Well, no, he 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 was a starting center on a on a Super Bowl winning team. Did he win? Did he win a Super Bowl with the with Saints? The Saints, I think yeah. so. So. So he's he's viable. Kellen Winslow. Uh, injuries kind of killed his career, but yeah. uh, but so let's let's count let's count him. He didn't didn't he make a Pro Bowl? He probably. He I think he did. So that's 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 let's count that. All right, fine. If if that's your standard, is Braylon Edwards make it? Ah, oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was a fluke year. But Kellen Winslow earned it. Kellen Winslow was good before he got injured, right? And, but yeah. Before the motorcycle accident. Before the motorcycle accident. Maybe. Yeah. All right, fine. I'll give I'll give you I'll give you Winslow. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Wimbley. Uh, that's rough to say. He never won a, he never won a Pro Bowl, and he was like a bit time part time starter on the Raiders. He was never great good. I say I say no to Wimbley. Right. So we, might, we might we might even out between him and uh, Cam, uh, yeah, that's uh, fine. So we're still at two. Joe Thomas, obviously, yes. Yes. That's three. Mm-hmm. Quinn, no. No. Mac, Mac, yes. That's yes, four. four. Hayden, yes, is five. Five. And then you're not going to get any of Phil Taylor, Trent Richardson, Brandon Whedon, Markevious Mingo, Markevious Mingo, Justin Gilbert, or Johnny Manziel. Jesus, this is this, this is why the I mean, Browns always suck. No wonder. Yeah, you can't you can't whip on so many first round picks. On essentially three quarters of your first round draft picks, most of which were, eh, I was going to say most of which were top ten. That's eh, still a lot of them. Mm. Yeah, and that's been the depressing thing. Eight, nine, season. ten, ten top ten picks in there too. Uh, yeah, and I mean, look, the preseason which we watched, you didn't watch any games. I kind of watched some highlights. I think my dad maybe watched uh, 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 Johnny Manziel's drive. Uh, no, I think it was um, it was Johnny Manziel's drive and uh, it, the one home game we had against um, the uh, Tampa Bay. I think. Yeah, years. He maybe watched a couple of drives of that, and uh, you know, they, they look like a competent football team. Nice, but uh, yeah, the preseason was pretty pathetic. It, not, it's hard. Not more it, pathetic than than Justin Gilbert was just atrocious. Yeah, man. God. Just what? Awful. What the hell happened there, man? It sounds like it's uh, uh, something with his head. Like he clearly has the physical tools, and he just we just did not we made we made a bad judgment call on. And we had the research that he had this reputation. Yeah, uh, not being serious in the in the the film room and having a bad work ethic, uh, but 
that was that was uh, Petten's pick. Maybe Petten was counting on himself to, you know, ready to whip him into shape. Yeah, and it has backfired. So, you know, because he's somebody that other people liked. It wasn't like we made a crazy reach to get him where we got him. No, 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 no. I mean, there were some that valued other guys higher. Um, right. He was not the consensus top cornerback in the draft. Um, but he certainly had elite physical tools. But that's because there wasn't a consensus top quarter. That's true, right? That's, that's true. Yes, exactly. And in particular, what Penton liked about him was his ability to do the press coverage. Um, mm -hmm. He was a big physical guy who could catch up fast. Um, I mean, look, it's still – I'm not write him, write him off yet, but I'm getting pretty damn close. I mean, it's, it's, the, second year, it's the second year in a row that, like, undrafted cornerbacks are ahead of him. Like, a, second, a second year of undrafted cornerbacks are ahead of him on the depth chart. Yeah. Not, just, not just Kwan Williams. I forget who the other guy is that we have, but he was starting over him. Uh, Pierre Desir certainly starting over him. It's it's embarrassing and it's a it's a big problem. We really could have used that cornerback pick to work out. Do you wish we had just stuck where we were and taken Sammy Watkins? Um, I mean, not really, because Sammy Watkins hasn't been like a, a game changer. Uh, he's been he's been good, but just good, you know. For, That's for right. We're going to bring him in here and give him no quarterback. What's the point in that? Yeah, exactly. And it gave us another draft pick that we ended up using on um, uh, Irving. What's that, Irving? So that's so I like getting Irving. You know, I think that was a good thing at the end of the day. Um, I still think I think it was the right trade to make. I just wish we'd gotten the right cornerback, I guess. Um, yeah. But look, I that the Gilbert pick is the one pick I'm willing to give this regime a pass on. Um, but when it's when when you when you tack it on top of the uh, litany of failures of previous regimes, it's really hard to swallow. Pat, how do you feel about uh, two of the deepest wide receiver drafts in recent memory mm. and the Browns coming out with nobody that they yeah. drafted? That's true. Vince, the cut list that we did not mention was uh, Vince Mayo. I, Vince I think Mayo. that's his last name, right? Yep, he was, um, he was the fourth rounder that we had high hopes for. Uh, cut. We kept prior over him. Yep. Which makes sense. I mean, they, you know, but... I, I don't know that Pryor is necessarily going to be a better receiver than than, than Mayo. We also just let, that we could go into these drafts with that is an obvious need for the team and come away with nothing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess Taylor Gabriel we came away with not undrafted, but yeah, and we uh, 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 we also let Charles Johnson walk, uh, yeah. become a star on the Vikings. Um, that is uh, unacceptable, just absolutely unacceptable. We gave, I mean, we invested in him for an entire year and then just let him go. It was that was a big big mistake. So I, you know, I, I I'm less than impressed by this this new regime, but it, you know I'm comparing them against uh, 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 what's his name, um, Vince, uh, not Vince <laughs> Mike Lombardi. Uh, so right. it, at least he's not at least he's not Mike Lombardi, which will, which will, which is currency that will get this guy, this regime very far <laughs> with me, because uh, that guy, I mean that guy, his drag gave us Barkevius Mingo, and that's about it. Yeah, right? that's it from that entire draft of a usable, a usable player. Do we get anybody else useful from that draft? I don't that was, think so. That was the 2013. Now keep talking. I'll look. I'll look it up. Oh yeah, uh, it's just uh, yeah. This this these guys have not done well. The problem is uh, uh, what I'm interested. In, what I will say is even though you know there's a lot of amazing receivers that have been drafted over the past two years and we didn't get a single one of them uh, you know and Dwayne Bowe seems terrible uh, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, you know, yeah, people were talking about him being cut, guaranteed nine million and getting cut. Yeah, which is crazy. Uh, uh, By the way, Pat, that that draft, the Mingo draft. So I, I pulled it up real quick. I can do this fast. Our second round pick, we forfeited for uh, Josh Gordon. That year? No, 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 no. That was that was this is the year after, wasn't it? That was the no, year this, before. No, this, that, is the, this is the oh, Mingo oh, year. We forfeited because the previous regime forfeited it, so we got we technically got. Him Correct. Him. But we can't give that credit to Mike Lombardi because he said that he was a, a waste of a – it was a panic draft. Correct. Whatever. Right. Uh, third round, Leon McFadden, the cornerback from San Diego State. Oh, is he in the NFL anymore? I don't not, believe not, so. Not roster. Um, then we traded every – we didn't have any picks that year. Sixth round, Jamora Slaughter, a safety from Notre Dame. Nothing. Uh, seventh round, this one counts, Patty, uh, Armonte Bryant. Oh, yeah, okay. So we got Monty Bryant. Yep. And after that, uh, Garrett Gilkey, a guard who is not on the team, and that's it. So that was our awesome Mike Lombardi. Uh, Jesus genius. Christ, that's terrible. The genius. He's, he's so smart, he doesn't, he doesn't have time to talk and explain himself to us peons. Uh, what oh, wow, that's bad. He's just the worst. Um, um, so, so, Pat, did you learn – do you feel like you learned anything from I, – I, 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 Said this, you just said it a minute ago. I didn't watch any of the preseason games. Part of that is just because they're not easy to get out here. Yep. Um, part of it was just like, who cares, man? Most of their starters were hurt or held out for even, almost all the games. Even our dress rehearsal, uh, we I feel like we had uh, we was Joe did John Thomas even play in our dress rehearsal? I think he did. I think he did, but I feel like we were missing uh, other guys. Uh, certainly on the defensive side, I feel like we were missing a few. For sure. I, I don't know that Hayden played at all. Like. Yeah. Should we be disturbed that it seems like they can neither run the ball nor stop the run with whatever's out there? Do we, I'm a, are we I'm worried a, about that? I'm a little worried about that, but I'm also thinking that uh, they were so vanilla in their sets that, and, you know, need to have our full assortment of guys there. Uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to try. It was, it was, you know, we, we, Duke Johnson got hurt like in the first, like, second mm -hmm. uh, uh, series, uh, you know, but then Crow didn't do much with it. I don't know. I'm 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 concerned, but I'm not super worried yet. I mean, look again because I'm expecting so little from them. But yeah, if we can't run the ball, this is going to be a historically bad season because we can't do anything else. Uh, right. uh, our ability to do anything on offense begins and ends with the run. Uh, now teams can load up and try and stop the run, but we have to make them do that. <laughs> if they right. can stop that without without putting eight men in the box, uh, then we're screwed. But yeah. if they're putting eight men in the box to stop the run, that's fine. Uh, this this team should be able to do something with that, and uh, we'll have to see. Um, so like, we should not take too much from the preseason. We should be pessimistic for other reasons. I, yeah, I, I I don't think we should take too much about the, what the team's ability for the preseason. I you know it's not great. It doesn't you know give us a lot of room for error that our backups can't crush. You know, right? Or that we can't lose a few players and 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 keep running all you know cylinders. It's great when you you know. When the team knows exactly what you're doing, you're still running down their throat. That's when you really you're a really damn good team. We're obviously not that team yet, so I don't think we should be that surprised. Um, but uh, uh, the real thing you can take, I think, from the preseason is individual play. Uh, and the things I'll take away from the preseason are um, Johnny Manziel did not look terrible. He actually looked like a a a, a NFL quarterback. Maybe not a Definitely. starter, not a difference maker, but a guy who can actually do something decent um, next time he gets the chance. Not like the totally overmatched toddler who wandered into a, a, a game that was two ages above his, his bracket. Yes, yes. Not like uh, Matt Saracen walking onto an NFL field. 
uh, and trying not to destroy right. uh, his, his, his life. Um, yeah, no, he looked like he actually belonged out there and knew what he was doing. Uh, I kept watching a lot of good plays in, in, in uh, preseason that people caught on camera, which I didn't uh, – I'm sorry, in the, in the training camp, uh, training camp stuff, stuff I did not see last year with all of the huge hoopla around him. I never right. saw any great moments from him. I saw like some drills that he would like, you know, throw good passes. These were real game actions where he was scrambling and throwing, you know, darts to guys uh, who were well covered in the end zone. I was like, oh, did that that was a hard throw, and he made that. That's pretty good, you know. So I, we we have reason to hope for Menzel to be um, a useful quarterback. Um, uh, I still I'm still pessimistic on him. I think he's going to be uh, four years and out of the NFL. Uh, in yeah, maybe six, I would six years at, at most. Uh, I don't think he's going to be have a long career. No, because I don't think he's going to catch. I don't think he's going to go be a backup in Dallas. No, no, no. Exactly. Like Whedon, Whedon no, at least has an arm. Yeah, and he can he can be a pocket passer uh, yeah. as as the fad of the running quarterback has sort of uh, run its course a little bit. Um, yeah. uh, I don't think that we have much to think about him. But look, he gave reason to hope. I I don't I don't think it's a guarantee that he's going to be a no uh, a useless quarterback. Um, scrambling is still a useful ability in a pocket passer. He's got that if he can learn to be an effective pocket passer. Uh, and then add the scramble on top of that. So, I mean, we forget that Ben, ben Roethlisberger, while being a pocket passer, uh, uh, is as good as he is because he scrambles, because he's hard to sack. Yeah. Um, that, it, he's that also is, an enormous human being. Yeah, well, that, that's what makes him hard to sack, yes. But, yeah, and that's the thing that Manziel is not. He's, you know, he's an elf. He looks, he looks like and plays like the brownie elf. Yeah. Um, so I'm still not high on him. But that's one positive takeaway from the uh, preseason. The negative, of course, is Justin Gilbert looks like a complete and utter bust. And that's surprising to me. I thought Justin Gilbert might be the one silver lining from last year's first-round draft, that he might ha- be able to turn it around from a disastrous yeah. rookie season. No, I felt the he, same seems, way. he seems to have gone nowhere. Maybe his attitude is better, but then his, you know, the way he acts about uh, you know, his one preseason game against where he started against uh, about to be cut RG3, Oh, what did he say? He was flawless. That is that the word Aside, he used to describe it? Flawless was the word he used to describe his performance. But for that one play where he let uh, Pierre uh, Garcon, Garcon get, yeah. get wide open deep and then drop the ball uh, wide open, it would have been a touchdown, easy. And I thought at first, oh, it was, it was a mixed mixed up coverage. He thought he had help over the top, and it wasn't even that. Uh, he the explanation was he was just looking at the run. Yeah, like he was selling out on the run as a as as. Uh, he was alone on the island, knew he was alone on the island, and sold out on the run. It was dumb as shit. Yeah. And that's the problem. Is I, think he's just, I think he's not that smart. I think he's really not a smart football player, at least in terms of football smarts. Right. He, he doesn't have good football IQ, and you kind of have to if you're going to be on an island out there. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, it, I think he's done. I think he might be cut. Um, but he's still on the rush, right? He didn't get cut, right? He did not get cut. <laughs> I think he might get cut next year. Um, uh you know, or traded, I don't know. But I think, I think that's that becomes that. realistic. Yeah. They I owe him so much money still that it's not. Yeah, I think we might cut him um, but before next year. Um, I know we've been trying to put him on, like, a special teams play. But, again, not football smart. He makes too many mistakes. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to be that smart to be a kick returner, you know. Uh, and he, that's why he really wants to be a kick returner because it gives him, you know, a value of the team. But, uh, you know, we don't want to give him anything. So I think it might be also time this year to, to give him a chance at kicking return. I think he has been returning some kicks, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think they will let him do that too. I mean, they got to start thinking about extracting value out of him any way they can. Exactly. So that's the that's the downside of the preseason. Otherwise, you don't learn a whole lot. Um, you know, 
We did see Duke Johnson get the start in game three, so that tells us that they want to start Duke Johnson. But honestly, I, I think they're just not happy with the attitude of Crow and uh, and West. And West, and this is their like, you know, screw you guys. This guy's going to start now. Uh, you know, I, I don't think Duke Johnson is an ideal starting running back. Uh, no, he seems more like a change of pace guy. Yeah, right? and that's clearly what we drafted him for. We wanted him to be the third down back. Uh, so that these guys can be our bell cows. Uh, I, I think Crow will be the starter all year. Obviously, that's why I spent too much in our own personal fantasy draft for him. Talk about that later. Uh, I think it's going to be a starter all year, and I think this offensive line is going to be really good, uh, and we'll actually have a lot of good running stats uh, before, by the uh, end of the year. So that's that. I, I feel like I feel like you don't learn anything much from that either. Um, and I think we learned that um, Josh McCown is going to be what we thought he is. He's going to have some good games where he manages and throws some touchdowns, but he's going to be very underwhelming. Um, he's going to get hit a lot, and I think we'll see Johnny Manziel at some point due to injury um, before a lot because he's old. I mean, he's, he can't take hits like he used no, to. No, he's, he's our age, Pat. He's 36. Yeah, he's 36. He is our age. There's no way he's going to last four games before getting I mean, look, even if our offensive line is great with, with the pass, I mean, we, you know, we gave up a lot of hits in that uh, game against Tampa Bay. Um, so that's concerning that our offensive line, which started, couldn't protect him. Um, they actually had a few decent runs, I think, in that game before um, some of the starters started to sit out. Um, but uh, uh, I, I think we don't have to worry too much. I think, I think they're going to be good. I think you know he's going to get hurt after four games, and we'll see Manziel the rest of the year. Everyone's worried about why aren't we starting Manziel? Because our team sucks. You know, let's just let's not worry too much about who's starting a quarterback when our team is terrible. Yeah. So um, yeah, uh, do you have a final uh, uh, record prediction? For- I was going to say, do you want to do you want to go? I got the schedule pulled up. Do you want to just go through it real quick? Yeah, let's go through it. I think because I, I think we're going to start. Let me pull the schedule too. I think we're gonna, we're going to uh, start well. Uh, the, our easiest part of the schedule is the beginning. So let's, it is let's pretty see. easy. Yeah. Uh, Browns versus Jets, the the uh, the season opener in New York, not Cleveland. Uh, are, you go- are you going? Are you going, Patty? Uh, probably not. Oops. Oh, awesome! Just... Thank you, autoplay. Well, I can't, uh, I can't, pl- I can't look at the schedule because it autoplays uh, an ad for me. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you want? You want? So New York, for you. I'm probably not going to go, but uh, I may try. We'll see. It's it's too close to uh, so you know. Is podcasters? Some podcasters may know. I'm about to have a second son uh, in September 16th. Hopefully. Oh yeah, you can't go to that game. It's it's uh, it, that's not um, that's not marital capital. I'm willing to spend. <laughs> I absolve I absolve you, Pat. You don't have to go to that game. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I mean, no, normally I'd be excited to go. I might even convince Becca to go. In fact, honestly, any other time she might be excited to go too. Uh, it's just this is too close to, uh, yeah. to, to childbirth. It's just we're just gonna. No. Don't go. I'll, I'll go farther. Don't go to the game. Pat. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's uh, Geno Smithless, New York Jets. Mm-hmm. Jet, J- Jets ain't any great shakes, Pat. No, they have a great defensive line, but a lot of it's rookies. Um, and we have a good offensive line, so I think they might be able to cancel each other out. Good, good uh, I test think, for us early. That'll yeah, be a sign uh, of something, I mean, right? I mean, I expect us to lose just because they're the Browns, but uh, that's a winnable game for sure. For, for sure, sure, winnable, right? Okay, yeah, so let's, not, let's, let's let's count it as a win. Let's count it as a win. Okay, week two home against Tennessee. Another winnable game. Uh, right. Let's let's say two and zero. Oh. All right, let's be optimistic here. Yeah, let's be optimistic. Let's let, let I mean, we can say toss ups and we'll trade them off later, but this is, uh, uh, but this one for sure, I'd say two and zero. Oh. Patty, week three, at home, Oakland. Huh? I mean, Oakland's getting a little better, right? Yeah, they're not, uh, they're not as bad as they were last year, but they're not world beaters yet either, exactly. No, I, I might call that one a toss-up, but uh, let's go ahead and call it a 3-0. I, I think uh, if the Browns are what we hope they can be, let's be optimistic. Let's say 3-0. Patty, they're starting out 3-0. and 
Exactly. Super Bowl. You know where the Super Bowl is this year, Patty? <laughs> in San Francisco. Oh my God. This is this, getting. This, I mean, this is this is like a sign. This is an omen. I'm starting to get. I'm starting to put money away for my ticket at this point. I, that, uh, I just I just described that as an omen, by the way. Oh yeah. That's that's not really the word I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> an omen is a sign of soul-crushing things to come. So maybe it is an omen. Uh, anyway, continue. Week four. At San Diego. Mm. I, I might call that a toss-up, but I, I can't remember because they – I don't know. I don't know what to expect out of San Diego. I don't either. They could be anything as far they as They could be I'm really concerned. good. They could be really bad. Like, yeah. I never know from year to year what they're going to do. So, let's call that a toss-up. Which probably means it's, loss. But anyway, so that's a toss-up. But, but that's the point. When we, when we get another toss-up, we'll, then we'll, we'll sort it out. Like, that, that'll be one. Let's call it an L for now, right? Uh-huh. The next toss-up, we'll, call it, we'll count it a win. All right. So, that's okay. three and one. That's three and one. Uh, next week at Baltimore. All I right. We, I think we lose that uh, at Baltimore. Yeah, at Baltimore. Yeah, let's call that an L. Okay. So it's three and uh, two. Week after that, at home against Denver. Let's call that an L. I mean, Denver, look, it, it, who knows with Peyton what he's got left in the tank. Um, yeah, that's they're, not – they're, they're better than us, right? They're, they're, they're better are, than us. We should lose that game. Could we yeah. win that game? Sure, we could win that game. But let's count. We're going to count that as a loss. So now, so now we started out three and zero. We're down, down, down. Now we're back. To back three. to three and three. Yeah, things are feeling more normal now. Yes, I feel yes. regular. It feels very Cleveland. This, um, is why, this is why, by the way, I have season tickets and we sell most of our games. We only go to a couple each year. Uh, my, you know, my sister's really pushing us to start selling tickets now. My dad and I are saying, no, actually, let's get the uh, unrealistic hopes up for the Browns in the first yes. three weeks of the season when we have a winning record. Then we'll sell all our tickets. Yeah. That's what we're planning to do. So. I think that's smart. Yeah. Sorry. Right, so we're three and three now. What's next? Week seven at St. Louis. Hmm. That's winnable. Interesting, right? Little but, friskier St. Louis team, maybe. I mean, they were pretty frisky last year, actually. Yep. Uh, I just don't have a lot of faith in the quarterback they just traded for. I think he's terrible, um, and I think that was all um, uh, Philly offense related. Yeah. Um, so let's let's say let's let's call that another toss up and count this one as a win. So we're four and three. Right, now. Four and three. Another toss up, though. That's definitely a toss up. We are uh, week eight back home against Arizona. Mm, I think that's an L. But I mean, it's a winnable game. They aren't that good, but they were pretty good last year, and yeah, they're pretty good. They're getting better. They drafted well. I say that's an L. So that's I think so too. Four four. Um, week nine at Cincinnati. At Cincinnati. That is, that is a Thursday night game, by the way. Ooh. Uh, let's Remember what happened last time we played them around that time of year on a I Thursday do. night? I, I, I'm going to go ahead right now and and call. I'm just going to call early. I think we're going to go three and three against the AFC North, optimistically. Okay, we're so, we're one loss in our schedule right yeah, now. We're so, only one. So let's uh, 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 instead of I have no idea what the circumstances are going to be, but let's why don't we let's call it, let's count this an L because it's a way we'll, we'll count the home games a, a, a W, even though it'll be a different mix of those things, right? Okay. Let's count this an L. So now we're what? We're four and five now. Four and five, and week ten we go to Pittsburgh, which I think is we got to count as an L. Yeah. So four and six now, and that, 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 seriously, all three of our first AFC North games are on the road. Uh, yes, seriously. That is bullshit. Yeah. Uh, all right. So yeah. So four and six. I mean, I bet we'll win one of the, out of those, but then we'll also like disappoint uh, in a home game late in the year. What's also four and six. What's also four and six wouldn't shock me at that point. Would not shock me at all. What's annoying to me also is that we're going to be terrible at the end of the year, probably. Right. <laughs> well, get ready. Get ready for what's coming. All right. So we're four and six. Four and six. Week eleven's our bye. So we're we're licking our wounds. We're four and six. Maybe we're feeling okay-ish. Some good, some bad. Come back week twelve, home versus Baltimore. All right, let's cut that as a which win. Is, which is, Patty, Monday night game. Ooh. 
That's you never know. I mean, we that, Tim Couch had that awesome uh, uh, Monday night game where we destroyed the the Steelers. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a pretty fun game. Uh, so let's cap that's a W five. Monday night week off, a lot of time to prepare. Yep, I see that. I see a five and six there. Okay. Uh, week thirteen, home against Cincinnati. Let's get, again. Let's we're getting revenge now. Yeah. Six and six. Six and six. Everything's man. This wow, possibilities. Can awesome. we run the string out? Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's see what the end is like. Uh, week 14, home against a suddenly beleaguered San Francisco 49ers franchise. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a toss-up, right? That's oh, I think we can win that one. I think the Niners are going to be horrible. So they, they're going to be horrible this year, you think? They're going to be really bad. What else did they lose besides Crabtree? It was like, meh. Uh, everything? <laughs> I know they lost their punter. We, we traded for him. He's awesome. Frank Gore, done. True, but they got they got Carlos Hyde. I think Carlos Hyde is 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 at least uh, not a drop off from 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 Gore because Gore is aging. Uh, what's his face? Their lineman retired. Patrick Willis. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, their other good player had the Alton uh, Smith had the uh, the DWI and was released. Oof. Yeah, that's they're really. I, I'm out here, buddy. They're really rough. People have basically written right, them off right, for right, this right, year. Right. So. You've got me. You've got me. Seven and six. Let's call seven it and seven and six. Uh, That's crazy. I did not expect us to win seven games. I'm already surprising myself here. All right, seven and six. Let's go. Here comes the hammer of reality. Week fifteen at Seattle. L seven and seven. Right. <laughs> Instant. Uh, uh, yeah. Let's go next. Uh, week sixteen at Kansas City. Yeah, Tough place to play. That's an L. I don't think they're that amazing, but their defense is really strong. They got a good running game. I don't see us winning that game. That's an L. So seven and eight. Now, so wait, 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 seven and nine now. No, seven, seven, not, seven. seven and eight. That's seven, seven and eight. eight. All right, and then our last game of the year, Pittsburgh at home, January third. Oh, that makes us eight and eight, Maddie. By my rules, we're eight and eight. Now, if we add the Cleveland effect of losing games, we should win. I think that takes us down to about five and eleven, maybe. Yeah, I think we might win six. Actually, that's surprising. Ooh. But if, if, if I mean obviously I, I think we I, I think five might be our floor to be honest I think this team even at its worst even at its chokiest yeah is is got enough talent that it shouldn't lose that many games that they should win against those other bad teams yeah and honestly our I, I know our strength of schedule is harder than it was last year but I don't know there's some there's it's possible for some of those teams to not be good right like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Diego, I feel like could not be good we talked about San Francisco but it's also possible for some of those teams to suddenly be good and we don't realize it for so, sure so it goes the other, it goes goes both ways yeah but um but that's why I think at the end of the day um uh the real key to our season is the AFC North like you know, think about it the three and three of the AFC North is what makes us eight and eight yeah, in that scenario, if we if we if we approach a balance, you know, in that balanced way, going three and three against the AFC North is what makes us an eight and eight team. Yeah, so that's the key to everything. And we we went two and six last year, I think, right? Yeah, we, well, we lost both to Baltimore. We won one against Pittsburgh and one against Cincinnati. Two and four. Two and four. Oh, I'm sorry, two and four. <laughs> Math, you know. Hey, I know. <laughs> Not my strength. Um. All right, so you're gonna go six and ten. I'm gonna go. Uh. Yeah, I'm gonna go six and ten. I'm going to go 5-11. and 11. Okay. Uh, but it seems like whatever happens, those first three games of the season are a pretty important bellwether for yeah, us. That, that, at New York, home to Tennessee and Oakland. I think we need to be 2-1 and one at a minimum coming out of there to feel good at all. If we yeah. somehow lose all those games, God help it's, us. It's, this, is, this is a sub-four win season. Right. All three of those games. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
so uh, all right. So we'll know right off the bat. That's fun. Not so bad. Um, that, that's 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 encouraging. Oh, before we go, uh, 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 listeners, if you haven't already, you have to look up the uh, Grant Lynn article on uh, Joe Thomas. Oh yeah, great it's, article. It's inspired me to my next Browns jersey. You know, when I buy the the new uh, the new look Browns jerseys, I might get a Thomas jersey. I he's, think you should. He's just so awesome. He's just such a great guy. Like you know, I I I like to get guys that you know. I like cornerbacks or wide receivers, you know, guys that I could, you know, conceivably, if I, you know, was oh, not, 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 a stretch. not made of glass, uh, play the position. Do you know what I mean? Like, just, just, just terms of, within the realm of imagination, there's no way I play offensive linemen. But, you know, I, I have the size and skill set to be able to play cornerback or wide receiver. You have a skill set? Yeah. I, I, was, oh. I played ultimate frisbee. I was really good. Oh, oh I was a great defender, and I was a great. I, I caught everything that came my way. I have really good hands. Uh, oh. I, I'm just the problem for me is I'm made of glass. Oh, uh, and I'm actually deceptively fast. I think I can beat anyone on, uh, of our high school friends in a foot race. I, you said this before, and maybe that's true. I I don't know if you understand how meaningless that is. <laughs> well, but I, this is also taking account that I'm 36 and haven't been exercising or, <laughs> or been athletic for six years either. Uh, you know, when I retired from Ultimate uh, before my age of 30, uh, that, that was my, my peak of prowess. But I was pretty good. I was really good, actually, back in the day. But uh, I am literally bragging about my, my glory days as an Ultimate Frisbee player right now. So I think it's time to move on, Maddie, to uh, our big cast finish. Yes. Uh, in the last 10 minutes we have here, we went a little long on the Browns preview. Uh, so, Maddie, uh, Cavs, not a lot of news since we last talked. However, there are some big pieces of news. Uh, let's start with. Uh, uh, TT reaching DEFCON 5. Yeah, man. All right. We said we should be worried if we don't have him signed by the time we next podcast. Maddie, we're podcasting, and TT still has not signed. What, it ain't uh, close. How, how worried are you? Uh, I'm real worried. Yeah. I don't know if I should be real worried, but I am, as we've talked about, I'm terrible at negotiation, so I'm, I'm starting to freak out already. Mm-hmm. As soon as, uh, you know, all the stories that – listen, Rich Paul, I think, is doing as good job as an agent, right? This is what he's right. supposed to do. Right. The stuff about how uh, he either signs the max they want this year or he's going to take the qualifying offer. And if he takes the qualifying offer, he's not going to be back in Cleveland next year. That's yep. He has said that. Yep. The leaked story about uh, Toronto wanting to offer him the max, so they're building their Canadian super squad with him and Corey Joseph and keeping an eye on getting Andrew Wiggins when he's a free agent in four years, which is not going to happen. And I, I don't understand how they're going to sign TT to that kind of money with how much space they, are, they have. They don't have enough space right now. They're going to have to right. make more moves to clear space for a role player. I mean, TT right. is a difference-making role player. He is worth $80 million for sure. That's a ton of money, and that's a crazy thing that would have been, we would have been laughed at saying this last year. Yes. Um, is he worth 90 I don't think so, but, you know – I, I, I certainly can see the Cavs uh, overpaying for, for it. Like, I would not be upset if the Cavs do that. Uh, I'd be sort of upset at TT for making them do it. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, I think it's, it's, the, you know, it's a move the Cavs are going to have to consider doing if they, if they take him at his word about walking in a year. I'm still I'm, – I'm not that nervous because I think the Cavs are right in calling his bluff. Um, I just don't see TT walking away from LeBron – from a LeBron team in the Rod's remaining years of of uh, his his prime ish, you know he's on the downside of his prime, but he's still within his prime. Yeah, right. These are the remaining couple of years. Not many years left. This is the one chance. To Plus stay. eighty. It's eighty million dollars too. It's not like he's getting raked over the coals here. No, that's a it, great contract. That's 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 a great contract. Your life is set. And so he's so he's this is what he's going to do. This is what he's telling us. I'm going to take eight million instead of sixteen. 
take half yeah. the amount of money this year to play for an entire year as the full-time backup to Kevin Love, who's got a second year in the system and might have an amazing year, right, finally justifying his contract and, and all that stuff. Uh, and a playoff run, hopefully, that has the whole team healthy, which means TT's not going to be as glaringly important as he was uh, uh, the last time around, even though I still believe he's going to be finishing games, most likely, right? Yeah. Our final lineup's going to be with TT as the center, right? I think they, so. they, they, they envision him as the center, uh, the starting center, I get it, uh, but he's going to be splitting his minutes with, uh, with Mozgov. Uh, I don't see how that's going to result in a bigger payday. The, it's a much higher risk of, of TT getting less, I think, especially given the market. I, I, I just think it's a really bad gamble for him to make. Right, I mean, I think the Cavs know it. Right, the gamble is he never, like he's never missed a game, right? So he's, yep. you're saying I'm going to stay healthy like I am. I'll get minutes, and next year, I whatever happens, he showed enough last year that next year with record space available and more teams with room than ever before, somebody will throw that money at him. Yep, yep. And you know, he's bet this is. He turned down four years and fifty-two million from the Cavs last year. That clearly was the right choice. Yep. Um, I don't know. This is we've talked about this before, but this is feeling a lot like Andy's one contract. And that's what I think is going to end up happening. I agree. The Andy's contract. And I think that went all the way into training Train camp. camp. Yep. I think he missed a couple games in the season too. I think he. Played. I think they got it done before. I think they got it done before. Because I remember his first his first game starting. LeBron uh, uh, had this plan. Where he was gonna sub himself out first, or no, no, he he's, he was gonna sub in with Andy, so that the crowd couldn't boo him. Oh, that's that was what he did. I remember this. He he made the decision to sub out early, and then when so that when Andy was subbing back in, I mean, he told the coach he wanted to do this. He wanted to sub in with Andy, so the crowd could not boo him because they'd be booing LeBron too. It was that it was that ultimate team guy move. Maybe love LeBron so much the first time around when he did that. Uh, and I think that's because it was mid-season by this point that he joined. I think he may, he may have missed a few games that season. We lost, we weren't doing that well early on, and we blamed him uh, for hurting the team. So I think that is really the right parallel because he took it into the season. We'll double-check, and if we're wrong, we'll say something about it. But <laughs> I think I'm right. Uh, I'm trying to look it up now. Yeah, I think uh, Andy started middle of the season, and that is the right parallel for us because uh, TT – is really going to push us to what point do we want to hurt our, our playoff run? We already got Kyrie out. We'll talk about that in a second until January, potentially. Um, uh, so the pressure's on the Cavs to not uh, uh, lose so many key guys and make our, you know, our big players like LeBron and, and Love play too many minutes early in the season, right? Uh, so I see the Cavs you know, eventually caving in some way that makes, him, makes it a victory for TT, but I cannot see them giving him a full max contract of $90 million. I see them giving him 85 and giving him the tax treatment that he wants, meaning paying him more on the front or the back, whichever he prefers. I think they're going to eventually cave on that, but they're not going to give him the 90 million, and they'll do it probably at some point in training camp. Um, that's my that's my prediction. I found this story. You have to listen to this. This is this right. is fascinating for for any number of reasons. Go for it. Um, so this is from I don't know what source this is, but whatever. This is Thursday, December 6th. 2007. Aha, I got it. December 6th. Cleveland, yeah, Cleveland yesterday matched the Charlotte Bobcats' three-year offer for restricted free agent Anderson Verjao, ending a protracted contract dispute that gives the struggling Cavs some much-needed help. Bobcats, in need of a big man, reached the $17 million Tuesday, leaving Cleveland a week to match or lose them. They wasted no time 
keeping him. Decision came the morning after the Cavs lost their fourth straight game. They're 0-3 without superstar LeBron James, who sprained his left index finger a week ago. Mike Brown criticized his team's lack of effort in an ugly 179 loss to New Jersey, something that Verzhao should be able to help improve. Wow. Yeah. That was bad. Uh, and, and, and that lasted a long time. A long time. And I'm 100% right, uh, by the way, about the LeBron story, about coming in, uh, subbing in with Verzhao. Because he, he came in a home game, and that was his first game back was a home game. And he was worried about where, we're gonna, where the fans going to boo Verzhao for being so selfish, that whole thing. So I see a similar thing happening with TT, um, but I think... Yeah, listen, look, look at this too. Before training camp opened, Verzhao turned down Cleveland's one-year $1.2 qualifying offer. If he had signed that, he would have become an, an un, could have become an unrestricted free agent after the season. And in late October, the Cavs rejected a six-year $52 million deal that his agent presented. Wow. So, we, yeah, we, we were right to wait that out, and it was a good thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I got I to gotta think... We'll cave a little bit, but we can't cave all the way um, because of that. Uh, my, my concerns with Kyrie Irving, we just talk about that now. This report that he's not going to be ready for the, the start of the season, he might be out until January. Yeah, although I freaked out about that, and you're right. The more I've read suggests that that was just sort of loose talk. It's loose talk. It's like it's the point is that he's probably not – they want to take it super slow with him, which means that if they take it super slow with him, even though he could go by the beginning of the season – they're not going to rush it. So they probably aren't going to start him by the end of the season. There's a chance, you know, maybe we'll see how, how the rehab goes. But they want to take it real slow with him before getting, getting him into the contact drills and all that stuff. And uh, I would expect him to come back in, you know, late November, early December. And I'd be fine with that, 100%. Um, and the other thing is, even if he waits until January, it sucks for us. But I am happy with, with resting Kyrie as much as possible. Yeah. Likewise, all the guys. I mean, the, the concern comes in with TTB also being out because he hasn't signed a contract yet, right? Right. So that's the big concern uh, is that we're going to feel pressure to get more quality players out there so we aren't running LeBron in, in love into the ground. Yeah. Um, but I like the idea of, of, you know, not playing these guys tons of minute early in the season and just having a 50-55 win season. I don't care for the top seed. Uh, I think we just need to be solid all year and have our guys healthy and ready to go. I, I think I agree with that too. The last year showed us that pretty definitively. And from a depth perspective, I'm much happier. To, I'm happy to have traded Kendrick Perkins, Sean Marion, and Brennan Haywood for Sasha Khan, Mo Williams, and Richard Jefferson. Yeah, absolutely. And Sasha Khan also helps us with the, with the center. If we need to have two centers early, for in the sure. we need to play some games without TT. We can do it. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll be okay. We won't have it. We won't have the X guy like TT. You can guard guys in the perimeter. That's what makes him so, so valuable. Uh, but we'll be okay. Uh, you know, I don't think we're, we're going to dig ourselves too big of a hole while we wait him out. Um, so I, th I think the Cavs will wait this out. And I think we're going to get him to sign to a, a deal that's bigger than we probably should give him, but that's short of the max. That's, that's my prediction. It'll probably happen. Which I means like five years, 85 or something. Yeah. Maybe 87, you know, or whatever, just right. a little bit more, just, just to, just to give them closer something in between. I think we'll end up doing something like that. Um, but yeah, Sasha Khan is a good, is a good pickup. We didn't talk about that, but uh, we need to wrap it up here. Cause we're going a little way over time now, but there's one big signing that did happen. That I think something important happened, Pat. Something might have happened. And I think it's best summed up by this. Mm. Mm. Relevant. Relevant. How do you feel? How do you feel, Maddie? Patty, I am so happy. 
I am I've clearly crossed into an irrational zone with J.R. Smith. I have oh, two two self-created J.R. Smith t-shirts that I wear around. <laughs> Uh, I, 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 this is maybe the most unlikely turn of events in my basketball fandom life is that I am just in love with J.R. Smith and so happy that he's back <laughs> on the team. It makes no sense. And that song I feel like is, is a healthy percentage of it. I, I yes. love, I was telling you earlier that legitimately is easily in my top hundred favorite songs of all time. Easily, easily. All time. So good. So right. So right. I'm so happy he's back. I'm so happy we're paying him less. <laughs> I'm so happy we got him for two years. It's perfect. Yeah, it's absolutely perfect. I, I, I am happy with him for two years. The third year is scary because of that uh, salary cap uh, jujitsu situation. Uh, it's good that we don't have to have him on the roster at that point if he's not as valuable to us then. Um, this is great. This is fantastic. Uh, it makes me so happy. And then also, again, we have a pretty deep team. We have a pretty deep roster uh, that can probably survive Kyrie and TT being out um, for the first couple of months of the season if we have to. Yeah, he he was a big piece to get him back. Yeah, um, as disappointing as his finals was, I think we talked about this, right? We he, we just started. That was our issue: is that we were asking players to do too much. Yeah, yeah. Belly is not a starting point guard. Jr. is not the second scoring option on mm -hmm. a team, right? But yeah, yep. to be the guy off the bench that's hitting threes, that's bombing threes from every which angle. Yes. <laughs> so animatic and handsome. Yeah. Oh, I. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm thrilled that he's back. I'm thrilled. It's, it's, I'm thrilled. It'll be more fun. I'm thrilled for two more seasons of watching uh, Jr. come to the uh, arena on his funky duck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so great. All right, um, Maddie, we should wrap it up there. Uh, we went way uh, we, we, a little extra bonus in this hour. A good hour and fifteen, hour and twenty. I think we're hitting. nice. You probably have a pregnant wife and a child to attend to. Probably too, have that to, to 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 get back to. So uh, that does it for the Cleveland Sports Hour uh, this time. We'll be back next week uh, podcasting in the throes of the exquisite familiar misery of another Brown Sunday with a loss. Uh, I know we predicted yeah. a win uh, uh, this Sunday. We know that's uh, not next week. Happen. We know it's not going to happen. We know it's going to be soul-crushing and aggravating. Uh, like an old friend that always shows up asking for money. Yes. You know, it, you know, you know it's coming. <laughs> uh, but we'll do a, a, a special uh, a Rosh Hashanah podcast uh, the Monday after the game. Uh, and... Uh, so it's fresh in our minds. And yeah. uh, we'll try as best we can throughout the regular season to podcast uh, even uh, 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 the evening of. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be evening of. It'll probably be the easiest for us. Easiest thing to pull off, but I can't always promise we can do that because I will have now uh, an infant as well as a four-year-old. So oh, yeah, that's that going to complicate things. That might jam us a bit, but uh, uh, we'll, we'll try to keep to a weekly schedule and, uh, and take it from there. So, Maddie, uh, until next time, this is Maddie and Patty saying – Friendship. That was not bad. Ooh, that was perfect, Maddie. We nailed it. I not think bad. we got this down. We got this down. All right, see you, Maddie. All right, buddy. Take care.